0: Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and a crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. Owen Fitzgerald and I are back with another Money Talk segment this week with highlights of the first AMA or Ask Me Anything session held this week on the Launchpool Web3 Techstars Accelerator that I'm leading in Dublin. We also look at Stripe's re-entry into crypto and what they'd miss if they stayed on the sidelines. Also, some stories from the Token 2049 conference last week in London and some unique insights on embedded finance through the lens of NerdWallet's IPO filing and product $16 million Series A. All right here on Money Never Sleeps.
1: Owen, pal, how you doing tonight? Pete, how are you? I'm having a good time.
0: Yeah, good. I've got a little story for you to get things started. Tell me. So I'm going sea swimming this morning in yeah. the 40-foot in Dun Laoghaire. are on the way there and walking up through Sandy Cove, Right up to where you get into the 40 foot. And yes, it is the 13th of October. And yes, the water was 14 degrees Celsius. I see a guy that looks familiar. And I'm looking at him, looking at him. And my wife is walking next to me. And I'm like, I know that guy. And then he turns around, he looks at me, I look at him, I say, Hey. And he kind of just nods. And then he sees my wife, who he knows, and he says, Hey, Lisa. And she turns around and says, Oh, hi, how you doing? I can't say who this is because it was all a big secret. Anyway, my wife and I were just going swimming for 20 minutes. The sea swimming is invigorating. Absolutely love it. But this guy that we know, who is the brother of one of my wife's friends that she swims with on Sunday mornings, he was getting in the water in Bray, which for those who don't know the east coast of Ireland is 11 kilometers from where we were standing at that point in Dunleary. And he chose today to swim with his friend who was picking him up in Dunleary and driving with him to Bray. And they were both getting in the water in Bray and swimming back to Dunleary, which wow. is 11 kilometers on the 13th of October in 14 degree water. Jesus. Yeah. Now, Celsius is different than Fahrenheit for our American listeners. But I was like, I'm just going in swimming maybe 250 meters <sighs> for don't, 20 don't minutes. Go <laughs> He's going in the water for four hours. I hope he made it and we hope we will find out. But we kind of said, listen, we're not even going to tell our friend that we saw her brother there because their whole family would just go bug-eyed like, what the heck is this guy doing? But yeah, these are the little kinds of things that happen when you live 20 minute drive from one of the top swimming holes in all of Ireland Yeah, and take that for what it is, but that was a fun day. You've been having a busy day. I had a busy day. We did the first AMA, which is an ask me anything or ask us anything from a Techstars perspective for the Launchpool Web3 Techstars Accelerator. Did that from four to five o'clock this afternoon. Pitched TechStars for the first half hour, and then did Q and A for the second half hour. And it was also my first time running through the TechStars pitch, obviously, but also describing the Alphabet and Launchpool partnership. So Launchpool are the digital asset investment platform. Alphabet are the venture fund, the crypto venture fund. Launchpool and Alphabet are part of the same group. And that was good. We had Laura Walshon, who was on episode one five eight with us last yeah. week. She was on way over in her neck of the woods in Thailand, close to midnight for that. So shout out to Laura for, for joining for that. But a few few things came up. I just wanted to give a quick recap. So this is a very unique combo with this accelerator program that we're launching in Dublin with Techstars launch pool, Alphabet, and then what I bring to the table, which is really about bridging the old school to the new school. There's so much out there in terms of traditional financial services that needs to be digitalized and crypto and DeFi are racing ahead. And can the traditional space keep up with that? We'll talk more about that a little bit later. So that was the first piece. The second piece of that was about getting excited about the new school of web three, just schooling everyone. Okay, and seeing, like I said, crypto and DeFi racing ahead. So we talked about that a bit. People also asked, what are we looking for in terms of the businesses themselves? And the way the tech stars look at it is priority one is team Priority two is team. Priority three is team. Okay, priority four is market. Priority five is growth. And then idea is six, okay. right? Which means if you got a great team, the A team with a B product, that's better than a B team with an A product. So it's very obviously founder focused. Getting that right match between star founders that are also humble enough to be mentored, but also that have killer blockchain projects at a very early stage is quite unique to be able to 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 gather all
1: this together and do you think is it a smaller pool of founders than a, a, a traditional tech stars type of course yeah. it is when you talk about killer blockchain projects that to me sounds like that's going to be what will make it a bit smaller in terms of the pool
0: yeah now blockchain you know in its niche is broad, <laughs> it's an oxymoron. So we've talked about on the last episode of the episode before that, the building blocks of Web3 being crypto, NFTs, DeFi, blockchain protocols themselves, and other types of tokens and tokenization. So that space is moving so quickly and so fast that six weeks can go by and there could be an incredible business come to market with a token launch and you'll miss it, yeah. right? You'll miss that. Now you'll see it three days after launch And it's already too late. So the key is to really leverage the network, leverage all the contacts out there that are deep in this space to find the best companies and encourage them to apply and get them into the loop, right? Tokenization is definitely central to the whole value proposition, like I just said. Now, if you take an Audius or even Launchpool itself, right, Audius is, there's an audio token that is paid to the the top ranked artist on the audius platform which is kind of like a decentralized spotify okay so that is very central to the whole platform launch pool themselves in order to access the token launches on their platform you need to buy the launch pool token and stake that and once you stake it you get access to the deals and then after you buy into the token sale you get your launch pool that you stake back right so that is central to the whole proposition Someone just says, hey, I'm gonna throw a loyalty token on top of my platform here, just because I want it to be in the blockchain space, that won't fly, right? It needs to be central to the whole proposition, which is which is a key thing. NFTs come into the space because an NFT platform is naturally involved in issuing, minting, Tokens. Uh, non-fungible tokens, right? So that is, you know, that is part of A lot of, of
1: it. big NFT news this week. The little, The little I know, but I saw Visa had an announcement today. Obviously Coinbase issued a mm-hmm. preliminary or announcement around competing with Alexa OpenSea.
0: Yep. They, yeah. Coinbase are bringing their NFT market to market which is great to see. And we saw a couple of weeks ago, just the big, big news with rare getting there. I think it was a 600 million raise that they did, which is the big NFT platform here. And also Dapper Labs, which did NBA Top Shots also yeah. did a big one. So yeah, very hot space. So it, it's that where it's central to the platform and it's a key part of it rather than, hey, blockchain is hot. Let's add that in somehow. Yeah. So we answered that okay. question. Okay. Someone asked if solopreneurs were okay. And we said, Yes, obviously, but what we've seen succeed the most are those teams with two to three people. Yeah, um, I actually,
1: so. I was going to ask there because I know, and we would know, obviously we've had even guests on the show of been Inter- through Techstars program in different, under different sectors. And I know from the feedback from them about how intense it is, you know, it's incredibly valuable, but it's intense and being mm-hmm. able to share that with another founder or a co-founder. I'd say is extremely valuable and it's a lot of pressure for a solopreneur to take on going through mentor madness and all different parts to it. Yep,
0: absolutely. And it's, you know, we talked about as well, that component of it being is the cross founder relationships Mm -hmm. that are built. And so, yes, if you are a solopreneur, you can build relationships, other founders that are part of the program, that's part of the big draw. And we got a whole bunch of plans on how to how to encourage these relationships even more when we yeah. get all of these founding teams to Dublin, <laughs> which would be great. My daughter's offered to make cookies for them. And there's whiskey um, involved somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. Shout out to uh, Ernest Cantle and see if he wants to get involved with uh, with, yeah. with this side of things. From someone asked if we're hiring, and <laughs> the question was answered by me. Yes, we are. We are absolutely hiring. So the program manager is the top role that I need to fill right now with this program. And there is a job description that's gone out on that. So we would encourage applications. Also bringing on board two associates. Someone asked if pre-revenue was okay. Give a big thumbs up. Yep. But they said, you know, how do you have indicators of traction if you're pre-revenue? And I said, well, we need a top team. We'll go back to that first, right? (laughs) Team, team, team. But also some indicators and or metrics on the pre-go-live community you're building. So- what usually come before token launches are building up a community on something like a Telegram. And I've seen those that get out there with about 2,000 users to begin with on, as part of their community on Telegram, right? So that's kind of one of the, you know, the basic entry-level benchmarks. It's not just how many people do you have as part of your Telegram group. It's can you demonstrate that these people are engaged, that um, you do actually have this community. What B2B partnerships have you built as well? Right? Archex were very, very good at that over their first couple of years of raising yeah. funds uh, before they hit their big target, uh, they were announcing a new partnership every second week. Right? So that was uh, a good leading indicator, pre-revenue of a business that was primed to succeed. Finally, great turnout, lots of great questions like I've been going through. I did get to tell my dynamic nft story again about the boston red sox and you know the the, the picture's changing depending on whether they won or lost so that was a yeah. lot of fun
1: you should be uh, tweeting at or sending instagram videos to his tom brady and his autograph.io because i see he added gronk and gronk's cards this week there's a lot of opportunity there for dynamic what do you, what do you call them the nfts nfts on on, on their platform yeah oh i so. bet
0: yeah gronk had nothing to do last week because he sat out the game because he yeah. was hurt so he had a uh, you know yeah. Messing around with his NFTs. Like there's a Gronk Spike card there somewhere. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. There's got to be. Yeah. I miss Gronk. I miss Brady. But, you know, the Pats are doing okay with Mac Jones. Red Sox are doing phenomenally well. They've gone up to the semifinals now. So, speaking of crypto. Yep. Stripe have re-entered the crypto market. So Interesting one. Charlie Taylor had the best analysis on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Thank you, Charlie Taylor at the Irish Times. Shout out to Charlie. He's a great guy. And that just came out today. And I love Charlie Taylor's headline, Stripe Goes Back to the Crypto Future. So, you know, there was a couple of, a number of other articles out there as well that cover this. TechCrunch had one. Uh, The Stripe blog was referred to their announcement back in 2018 that they were ending Bitcoin support. So this was the whole idea of Charlie's headline of Stripe going back to the crypto future. So what Stripe are doing is that they say they're building the future of payments for Web3. Web3 as we've been talking about a little bit the last few weeks are, to quote Charlie, he put it very simply and straightforward in his article today, decentralized apps built on blockchains, okay? Explain that a little bit further. Decentralized apps or dApps are built on decentralized peer-to-peer networks like Ethereum and other blockchain protocols. That's from like DeFi Pulse or something like that. And i added my own color here is that instead of being run by a centralized owner or company these networks are built operated and maintained by their users all right so there's usually a governing body that organize the will of the users of the network and they vote on new product features and, and platform governance and things like that the biggest thing here with these platforms these decentralized apps is that developers are incentivized to build on the networks and compete with each other, so that you're always raising the bar in terms of the user experience. So when you have one of these big, massively multiplayer online games, and it's decentralized, and you have this marketplace context forming the basis and foundation of the platform, developers can just build on top of it, right? And can get paid in the native tokens of the platform that can also be earned by users in a game like Axie Infinity. So that whole future, the future that we talked about with Ready Player One, quite a number of those pieces are live already today. So Stripe are saying, in a roundabout way, coming to this conclusion, Owen,
1: <laughs>
0: that they want to build the future of payments in Web3. I see stablecoins really being central to the core of this and how much those have grown yep. in terms of adoption over the last
1: year. So that I thought that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the the cynical side of me would say, you know, there's so much, not only money but focus and opportunity here that you know you see it even at, like I said, Visa announced something about an NFT platform today. I think it was like the payment companies, not even that they've no choice, but they they're seeing what the potential is and the size of the markets with some of these. Even you mentioned Axie Infinity, like they they're at an incredible number, I think revenue number at the moment, multiple billions or something. You know, coming out of nowhere almost some of these. So. You know, it's a case of Stripe being in a very good position to grow with someone with Web three Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. It was interesting looking back at some of the history. Here is that Stripe had enabled payments in crypto from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen, but they stopped because they thought crypto would become more of an asset that you traded rather than something that you you, you use to make payments with. And that's yeah, that. twenty fourteen and twenty eighteen, absolutely. What's happened since twenty eighteen is all that innovation has gone into hyperdrive. And like I said, stablecoins have really come on. And stablecoins, for those who don't know, are, are cryptocurrencies that are pegged one for one to fiat currencies or sovereign currencies or real world currencies. And those are being used quite considerably in crypto today. So th- there's this logical... Conclusion that you can draw that that says if stable coins like USDC have become so popular within crypto and are used so much by the 100 million plus users worldwide that are using crypto now, that we do see companies like Visa and MasterCard both enabling integration with stable yeah. coins that are held in crypto wallets and payment in stable coins, of course, Stripe are going to follow on and do this as well, right? Because Stripe were created to say, we're going to make this whole payment experience easier for businesses. Do and and you think
1: our you know are they slowly coming to the realization is that it you know i'm surprised there hasn't been like obviously stripe were you know allowing bitcoin early on you know because i think even i think it was john collison today he was tweeting about you know he retweeted the announcement and he was talking about how stripe kind of grew up around the same time as bitcoin Mm -hmm. but i suppose it feels like everyone now all companies are trying to play catch-up to a degree and want to be the main you know the main payment provider in one of these multiverse Metaverse, whatever you versus, yeah, it is, it is. yeah.
0: Well, you know, it, if you just imagined the metaverse today, or if you just imagined a massively multiplayer online game like a Fortnite, Fortnite a Roblox, what is it with Legends of Warcraft, Wizards World, of, Warcraft, of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, Warcraft, and opening that opening those games up so that Robux, what is it, V Bucks in Fortnite, V Bucks, yeah. right and whatever you get in World of Warcraft that you can take those credits those points whatever that you earn and convert those into cryptocurrencies whether that be you know a native token that you can then exchange for USDC you can exchange
1: for bitcoin whatever and you could take that offline and go do something with that you oh, yeah. can cash the out ability to cash out that that's huge like we, we've talked about before about fortnite and the what 32 million daily players mm-hmm. and the amount because yep. i know i know from having bought my son loads of ebooks over the last couple of weeks while he was recovering from surgery uh the amount of money that's sloshing around in the game or currency that's sloshing around in that game on any given day is must be huge crazy and axie infinity the points that
0: you earn in the game you could take that offline that's why it's called play to earn Right, Kids in Philippines, like we talked about, are earning three times as much playing Axie Infinity all day as they could as if they had a minimum wage job. So imagine trend continuing, which people fully expect that it will. Axie Infinity is just the first, and there's more. There's others as well. Plenty more to come, and that being integrated with, with AR, augmented reality, and eventually virtual reality as well, that the existing big payments players that are dealing in fiat or using all of the traditional payment rails, even using Swift, whatever. They're gonna miss this, right? They're gonna miss this if they cannot integrate with crypto and it's gonna be a lot to miss. So it's great to see Stripe doing this, especially, I don't wanna say I called it because it was like five days ago, okay? I'm on stage at Token 2049 in London. My first time going to London in over 600 days Thanks to the guys at Launchpool who got me there. I appreciate that. Shout out to Rich Simpson. And I was going on stage for this decade ahead of crypto. And I'm thinking, geez, there's one of my three parts of this that I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to talk about. And for some reason, Stripe and Square came into my head. And I started making this example. And what I talked about at the beginning when we were going through the AMA highlights was that there is part of me going into all of this, this whole experience that brings what i'm bringing with me is the baggage of a career in traditional financial services right and seeing all this stuff and all these operating models these value chains that knowing how it all works in crypto now i look at what happens in traditional financial services and i'm saying there's just so much of a long journey ahead for these traditional financial services players to digitalize their businesses
1: yeah
0: okay and i was trying to think of The other side of it, which was all of the crypto natives, which is just this example of Axie Infinity is just the one of many, many more to come. And all of these online ecosystems where money meets the metaverse, where the traditional financial services players are going to miss it. There's that side of it, which is just, like I said, going into hyperdrive, and that can just push societies to the tipping point of more humans on earth using crypto than not using crypto, all right? And... Sitting back and listening to this guy, Max Kordick from Lisk, who was sitting next to me, and him talking about how the kids are defining the path here. And it's those that, like your kids, Owen, that are playing these games online and figuring this out, they're the ones that are are setting the tone. I was trying to say, listen, you've got to also think about the institutionalized wealth that's out there, or all the institutional wealth that's out there, and that where... The access to that wealth is controlled by the likes of Stripe and Square and Visa and MasterCard and all these other big players. What I said to the crowd was that Square have been on the front foot in crypto, right? They're probably moving the quickest of the traditional players. I, and I said, I can't wait for Stripe to move on this. <laughs> Five days later, what do they do, right? I don't know the Collison brothers, although I did see one of them in 3FE in Dublin once, but. Same day same day, I saw Des Bishop, and he didn't remember that either. So. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, for me, it, it's really that which one is going to drive us to the tipping point? Yep. Institutional wealth moving into digital assets? Or is it going to be just this, hey, we got to 2 billion users on Facebook because, well, the kids started it, and then everyone else followed after that. Yep. But it was just user by user, individual by individual, business by business. They weren't doing things any other way. They just started using Facebook. And Facebook is probably a terrible example for this, but it's the digitalization of something that hadn't yeah. existed before. Or it, it did exist, but it was these completely offline networks of friends and relationships between people and between people and businesses that then got all networked onto yeah. Facebook.
1: And we touched on it a bit recently when we were talking about some of the large traditional players and the fact that you know they're missing out on a generation of customers now. You know, and you're talking there about the kids leading the charge here, and it is because their expectations and the way that they transact, even in their day. You know, my son is ten and he knows the ins and outs of obviously you know loading up his Fortnite account with V books and then transacting them within the game. You know, so he you know his view of financial services would be very different by the time he's eighteen or sixteen when he's opening a proper account sort of thing H- have
0: you tried to tell them about financial services
1: no not yet no
0: but one of your one of your daughters has a Revolut card yeah
1: well actually he has one as well yeah i pay my subscription i'm one of their subscribers and on the recurring revenue um, yes but yeah for the two both of the kids to have it yeah so like they just they, know they get money That's. Yeah. i mean they have the Revolut card they have the app you know they, they can see it being topped up they can do all their different bits on it and that's what they'll grow up knowing it'll be interesting I think, like we're talking there about you know some of the, the gaming companies and the, the metaverse and stuff. It'll be interesting the idea of unlocking, I suppose, value or currency within an ecosystem. Because you know, when I I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago to TU Dublin's incoming fintech course, you know, intro to fintech, whatever. I usually do an hour or so every every time, and the slide that I always throw up is you know it's an old slide now because they don't have, I don't have updated stats on it. It's about Starbucks having more money on deposit than most banks in the us oh yeah because of the money held on the starbucks cards you know and you can draw a line between that and nfts and tokenization and what we're talking about here in the sense of well you know that that's money that just sits there that can't be used for any other purpose unless starbucks then decide to you know allow it to be translated into some of their form they got to be doing something with it yeah well i mean it it serves a huge amount of value i'm sure to starbucks and their balance sheet (laughs) having money just sitting there that's not being used it's like prepaid coffee is yep. kind of what it is,
0: right so however Starbucks are accounting for it, I won't get into it, but i I would love to know how they're actually using that from a corporate treasury perspective
1: and also then are they is that something so it's like the idea of Tesco club card points if there's a way then to unlock that to allow it to be used in multiple kind of mm-hmm. formats or whatever you know surely you're opening up much greater opportunities for some of those companies
0: well I can get I can use my Tesco club card points right now to get you know, pizzas at Milano. Yeah. You know, yeah. now that is closed network, very hard to get. You got to get these vouchers. You got to print something out. You got to bring, well, you don't have to print it out. You got to have it on your phone, Bring it to Milano, yeah. where you and I met that day, where our families met that day mm-hmm. a few years ago in Dundrum. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, that that's what we're talking about here. Is being able to monetize these these online experiences, these digital-only experiences, and bring them back offline. But yeah, the, to to kind of round that all out, not surprised that Stripe are doing this. It's it's great to see, and I will hopefully be able to reach out to someone within Stripe. I don't know and bring them into this program somehow because yes. now you know. The Should any of it, listeners right?
1: who can help us with that, please. Yeah, yes, be great. <laughs> yes, any
0: <laughs> listeners. But anyway. Anyway, um, talking
1: about Starbucks, and I suppose where I was going with that was the whole idea of embedded finance. Yes, and kind it of leads on nicely to two. I I saw two interesting bits of information this week, which I suppose just caught my interest because of the whole embedded finance piece. And one of them was Nerd Wallet's IPO, and it was interesting because I follow John Street Capital on Twitter. An anonymous account does fantastic breakdowns of S ones. So this is. I suppose you can What's an S1? So an everyone S1 knows. S1 is the I suppose prospectus document that the, for listing on the stock exchange. Yes. Right?
0: Yes. There the pre-IPO go. filing that you do with the Securities and Exchange Commission which in the United States. I have to
1: admit I do enjoy reading for interesting companies. There's so much like valuable information in it in terms of market trends and market behavior and stuff for a particular type. So this is NerdWallet's mission is to provide clarity for all of life's financial decisions and their vision is a world where everyone makes financial decisions with confidence, which I mean is typical corporate speak 20, 21 million monthly unique users wow yeah i mean what are they doing in revenue 228 million revenue in 2019 245 in 20 they're already at 181 million in h1 so ultimately what is it i suppose it's like an aggregator or a comparison site you know they started off with 800 dollars in excel spreadsheet and now they're it's a personal finance site looking to raise 5 billion in the ipo they started as a credit card comparison site so now they cover everything mortgages personal finance investing Crypto, saw that. Crypto as well. Free reviews, content tools, and then affiliate fees if it drives conversion. I mean, what I found fascinating was, obviously, it's heavily focused in financial services, but it's a comparison site. So it's not often you'd see a comparison site list anywhere, you know. Yeah, but I mean, these
0: are partnerships that they have with big players to distribute their services through bringing users onto NerdWallet to have a look and to make it very easy for them to figure out yeah. what's going to be the best solution Indeed. for
1: them. I really looked into it because I was fascinated by it because it's content, ultimately. That's what oh, drives yeah. their users. They have 20 million monthly site visits. 86% of that comes through search, which is pretty much all organic. Um, they have 100 plus people in their content team. They offer a lot of free tools. They have 25 different free finance calculators. So they pretty much own, if you type a mortgage calculator anywhere in the US, NerdWallet is the first kind of solution that comes up. Same okay. with refi, compound interest, retirement, interest rate calculator, personal loan calculator, you know, mortgage calculator alone gets about three and a half million Google searches a month for them. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yeah, it's incredible. So I just found it fascinating because obviously it's driving business to its customer base ultimately.
0: Yeah, 245 million revenue yeah. last year, projected 360 this year just yeah. on affiliate advertising Yeah. and pay for click, which is... Incredibly impressive, and the the search engine optim the search engine opti- the search end the SEO, which is search engine optimization, to do this right is backbreaking.
1: Absolutely, but they consider themselves a one stop destination for all things consumer and small to medium business financial kind of offerings under one so, brand.
0: So, w- was the point that all of these kind of
1: stats and insights just came from the S one? Yeah, well, that was part of it. Yeah, it's fascinating, yeah. but also. Yeah. You know, the fact is they're out there just driving business to their affiliates. You know, Who would buy them? Who would buy them? That's an interesting. Uh, who would buy them, actually?
0: Would there be other types of products that you could leverage all of this wonderful tech that NerdWallet built to start doing comparisons? Like, you know, should I get the Apple iPhone 12 or 13, right? Yeah. Or should I get the, the new Samsung? What should I get my kids for tablets? Should you do that? There are other sites that already do that, like yeah. CNET do a bunch of you know, technology-focused ones? Or could you say, let's do, could they go across the value chain a bit more? Which is my whole experience of going to a U.S. investment manager's website and watching a video that the website told me to watch because I answered three questions a certain way. And then when I went to take the recommendation of the funds that they told me to buy because of my risk preference, they just listed the funds. and They said, well, you can't buy them here. We don't have the the regulatory licensing for you to buy them on this website so go to this other website we got to the other website you got terribly lost because the names didn't transfer over
1: yeah and that's it like they're talking about their time at is 23 billion it's u.s financial services digital advertising spend you know but the personalization is their thing personalization and the fact that i suppose 75 percent of their traffic comes from unpaid or they're not paying to drive that traffic mm-hmm. so they've just become a trusted brand so you know i suppose how do they continue to grow well given the more players year on year now in the financial yeah. services space you know you're going to go to them and just sign up with them because they yeah. own their audience
0: yeah you know? and and going into crypto you know i'd say i'd love to see them get into defi because there's so many ways to take just your you know fiat wealth now yep. and bring that into crypto through stable coins and earn you know five to seven percent on that now you gotta do your homework and go down your rabbit hole to figure all that out before you do anything it's just you know,
1: fascinating obviously we spend a lot of our time looking at the really technical and really advanced kind of technology and solutions and yet ultimately you just have what is a really big content funnel which draws in 20 million people a month and just diverts them out depending on a certain criteria to the people providing the solutions ultimately you know and the scheme of things is very straightforward business um, just fascinating the numbers behind it absolutely absolutely no i thank you for pointing that one out i
0: i didn't see that one and you know we got got, me really thinking about the business model and how they're making money and i did actually had to google how to nerd wallet make money
1: yeah so Um, again like i said it it kind of had me thinking about the the fringes of financial services and you know where does. Big markets, clearly in this scenario, big markets, big opportunities based on the spend and the continued kind of growth in spend on financial services providers. And I'm trying to think of the embedded finance link
0: here and embedded finance, according to our friend, Sophie Gibo, is enabling non-financial services companies to provide financial services by giving them the technology to embed finance into their platforms. Right. And so, you know, best example, Shopify and Shopify are obviously not an, uh, a financial services company. So, what could you do with NerdWallet? Wallet? Right. Is there an element of embedded finance there where, here you go, you could open up an embedded finance page on NerdWallet Wallet that's looking out across all of the different options yep. for a non financial services company to yep. integrate financial services? Those can all be rated from a B2B perspective. Most of what you see on NerdWallet is rated from a consumer perspective, but having businesses rate them and say, who are the best providers of things like banking as a service or embedded finance, which are two different things, and then be able to just easily integrate them through NerdWallet into your tools, because it should be that easy, right? There was another story that came up on that, that you pointed out from ProductFi, which is being referred to as the Shopify of embedded finance. Tell us what happened there.
1: Yeah, I, had to, I, I thought this one was interesting. So ProductFi, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Yeah. Yep. raised $16 million to build a DeFi for, for traditional finance. And this was on TechCrunch. So ProductFi Inc., banking as a service platform that aims to build DeFi for traditional finance. So Series A round, that has 0.72 ventures, 500 startups, and Yodli are also participating. They were, they were existing investors, so it's raised total of 19 million now across its first two rounds yeah they're trying to build from the ground up for traditional banks you know who can't yeah. decentralize so it's look it's a you know we're, we're familiar with the banking as a service solution but obviously it broaches into your area of expertise now far more than mine on the defi side and building defi solutions and trying to as they referred to here they want to be seen as a shopify for embedded finance you know they can the developers can configure in hours integrate in days and go from idea to full stack deployment in as little three weeks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really like that. And one thing that stood out, you mentioned mentioned Point72 Ventures, they're everywhere these days. Yeah. They are everywhere. That is Stephen Allen Cohn, which is Point72 is a family office that spun out of SAC Capital. And this goal of building decentralized finance, if I'm to kind of read into that a little, what they're saying is that if you're enabling anybody to just offer financial services and that you don't need intermediaries... In order to get that all set up, well, you still have intermediaries that you're st- still depending on because yep. you're still in the traditional financial system with all those rails. So, this is more distributed finance, I think would probably be a better word, in that yep. you are taking these things such as, you know, they say, let anyone do fintech, right? right. Like money movement, payments, whatever, deposit accounts, cards. And they've built these toolkits so all of those types of services can just be embedded. Into other applications, whether that be a nerd wallet like we we were talking about, or that is just a small business website, or a say a Tesco loyalty card program. Yep. Um, probably Tesco is probably a bad idea. What is the probably a good example of a loyalty card that I do actually use? I can't think of one. Is there a loyalty card program you actually use? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I I will I will I will make this relevant to Ireland. So instead of a Tesco card program, it's Dunnes. So Dunn's is a big, huge retailer here in Ireland, mostly known for its food, rather than its, uh, its everything items, else yeah. that you could get there. That being said, they put a lot of money recently into the whole digital side of things. So Productfy could come along and they could offer Dunn's the ability to embed things such as credit card. payment services, credit cards, debit card, whatever, yep. into the whole Dunn's experience, right? And like Starbucks, where you have people ending up leaving a whole bunch of money on the Starbucks card. And who knows what Starbucks are doing with that from a corporate treasury perspective. Actually, I don't think you could do that on this side of the pond, because if Dunn's were doing that, they would need to either do that through a banking partner and the banking partner would be reinvesting all of that or placing it overnight or doing something with it. If they were an e-money provider, you got to hold a 100% reserve, yeah. but still being able to offer financial services, do something with the interchange, you know, there's a little bit of that over here on this side of the pond. All of that could be really interesting for a big retailer, right? So I think that's where where Productfy can, you know, come into the European market, maybe the Irish market, and maybe they'll get in touch. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, look, just fascinating. Obviously, we've touched on embedded finance a lot, and we've talked about it loads in terms of what, you know Facebook adoon and WhatsApp Pay and you know obviously what Stripe can do for multiple different sectors. So it's just yeah. another interesting one. The DeFi, you know, it'd be interesting to see can someone build DeFi solutions to I suppose reverse integrate it into banks and traditional financial services players.
0: I think so. Give shout out to the guys at D Factor here in Dublin who are working on bringing real world assets into into DeFi. You and have to think
1: that there's a massive opportunity for that because the reality is as much as we talk about it and i really must get like some uh, some some good uh source material from you there's still so much i don't understand the broader concept and the ins and outs of DeFi. yet you know being able to come to your bank and say look here's my DeFi solution you know in ready to integrate into you etc you
0: know absolutely now i hear you and there's a whiteboard behind me there one if i tried to explain it there no one would be able to see this because this is audio only two my daughter took the whiteboard and she made her whole halloween treat checklist on that for the whole family so (laughs) i can't erase that right now but let's have a deeper chat around that because it's actually quite simple when you start talking about the concept of liquidity pools and how that all interacts with those that are staking assets yep so, but yeah, they massive opportunity there. I just don't see the slowing down, which is fantastic. Yeah. I had one other thing, just yeah. quick shout out to Jill Richmond from Jewel. Uh, she was on episode 103, you know the rules. Yep. And she's the chief revenue officer at Jewel. Good story coming out. The proposed bank Jewel wants to become a global stablecoin issuer with Bermuda's okay. So they just finally got their application submitted in June, I think, okay. for in Bermuda for their banking license so hopefully they can they can move ahead there. It'd be great to see them get their product live and get yeah. to market. Cool. Anything else from you?
1: No, I was I had downloaded Plaid, had a really interesting report, a survey that they did around fintech fintech's mass adoption moment, so I haven't actually gotten to go too deep on it, other than to say that they've seen a massive increase in US consumers using what they've defined as fintech. Now, it doesn't show how it clarifies fintech and you know as opposed to just your bank's uh, mobile app but talking about mass adoption and especially in the u.s how it has been driven by changes in open banking and how there's much more to come from it so i must have a look at that in a bit more detail i probably look to tweet out some stats but yeah more than half americans are saying that finance has become a dinner table topic 54 percent. there you go it's probably oh all crypto, or wall well, i was street, gonna say or wall street bets well, i
0: i'd say even if it is crypto you know anyone that i'm having dinner with besides my wife because she's now figured out crypto and i start talking about crypto i you know i don't even go there i do i do it's no fun but you know i it that room is changing like we've been talking about and there is a long arc to this tipping point but the tipping point is coming and
1: it's getting closer and closer
0: it's technology that 90% of the world don't have their heads around yet. Shout out to Brian Elders who was at Token 49 with me. He was on uh, an episode with us with Ernest Cantlin from Dramax a little while back. He had stepped outside of the conference to do a phone call and he, after the phone call, he looked back across the street to the hotel that everyone was in for Token 40, 49 and he said to himself, you know, it's a few hundred people in there who think they're changing the world and they're probably right. But there are thousands of people walking by this building every day that don't have a clue that any of this is going on. Yeah, you know, and, which is perfectly fine, and you know it will continue to grow and the space will flourish. Yeah. yeah. So, should we leave it there tonight, Miramano? We'll yeah. Awesome. That's good. Thanks so much. We will just finally leave it there for this yeah. evening. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. That does it for this week, folks, and you can learn more about the stories we covered in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie, so check us out online and subscribe to our Money Never Sleeps newsletter as well. If you like what you heard, we would sincerely appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on, as it helps others to find the show. And remember, Money Never Sleeps is spelled as all one word. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup advisor and investor and the managing director of the launchable Web3 Techstars Accelerator here in Dublin. As always, I help fintech and digital asset startups get their product to market, build traction with customers and raise funding. If you'd like to get in touch, drop us a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See you. Money
1: never sleeps, pal.